0: This is a Saddleback Church Podcast.
1: Have you ever found yourself going to work, maybe sitting at your desk or standing at the factory line or behind the register, wondering what reason God could possibly have for you doing that work? Or maybe you've wondered an even broader question. Why do we have to work in the first place? Wouldn't the perfect life be one in which we could just play or lounge all day well today's episode is about what the bible says about the topic of work and there's actually a lot my guest today is linda tokar a spiritual growth pastor at saddleback church and i asked her to do a survey of what the bible says about work and what she brought were seven key points These points do an incredible job of laying the groundwork for a theology of work and do well to speak to those very questions that I started this episode with. My name is Jason Wieland, and this is Doable Discipleship, the Saddleback Church Podcast, part of the Saddleback Family of Podcasts. Now, my conversation with Linda Tokar. Linda, thanks for being here today. How are you?
0: I'm great. It's so good to be here. So
1: Always so great to be here. Okay, Linda, you came prepared. I did. With seven points. I believe it's seven, right? Yeah. Am I right on that? Yeah. Seven points of where we see work in the Bible and what we can learn from it. So, yes. So let's just get the ball rolling. What is the first point that you wanted to share today?
0: Ding, ding, ding. Point number one. That's right. Um. I wanted to start with the fact that God worked and rested. When we see in the Genesis account, we see that starting in Genesis 1-1, God is working through each of the first six days of creation. He creates light. He separates the waters. Then the dry ground and the seas. He, the, he creates the plants, the sun, the moon, the living creatures. And then finally, in Genesis 2-2, we read, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the 7th day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the 7th day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So in this the very opening chapters of the Bible we have the first thing we learn about God <laughs> besides the fact that yeah. it assumes his existence is that he's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the beginning God. But then a couple of times in scripture this is revisited one of the places is exodus 31 and this is when god through moses he's giving the terms of the new covenant and he's talking about the commands and the command of sabbath or rest god explains it to moses and says this is why god gives this commandment verse 17 it says it's a sign between me and the children of israel forever for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So here's where we see that God worked and rested, and that is supposed to be for us a model or a pattern yeah. that we're supposed to follow.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's yeah, always a good job to set the tone with. Uh, well, here's what God did. Well,
0: <laughs> let's start at the very beginning. Right.
1: So <laughs> if we're if we're trying to take a biblical look at work or you know even broader at at the idea of vocation mm-hmm. what we can see first and foremost and that's the very beginning of the Bible is that well God worked God mm-hmm. God did things God mm-hmm. did work and then as we'll talk about I think a little bit more is he didn't just work he also rested so so we get that picture we get mm-hmm. that model we get that direction that it's okay to Work. It's a and, and mm-hmm. this wasn't just work of any kind too. It was a creative work, right? right? God created, mm-hmm. and that's something. And there's something uh, powerful and meaningful in that. Well, uh, in talking about types of work too, sure, absolutely.
0: And we'll talk a little bit later. It's that doing work is part of God's good design. It's it's not a bad thing. It's not a fall thing. It's a really good thing. Yeah. So so that was my. Point number one is just to start at the very beginning with the fact that God worked.
1: Point one, God worked and rested.
0: And rested. All
1: right. <laughs> what is point number two that you have for us?
0: Point number two is that God is still working. I mean, yes, it says that he rested from the work of creation, but he is still active and working today. Uh, John five seventeen, Jesus is speaking to, the, to his disciples, and he says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So, if we wonder, is it still important? Absolutely, God's still working, Jesus working, we're going to work.
1: And just to help people understand a little bit better, what is it that God is still working in?
0: In and through us. There you go. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think there's, I think there's something to the idea that, like, God, you know, he he holds, you know, it's, it's like the uh, old song says, he holds the world in his hands. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, yes. and, uh, so he is maintaining the order yeah. of the universe. Absolutely. In Colossians,
0: ev- it even says that like, he holds it together. Like yeah. he's actively holding creation together.
1: Yeah. And he's doing the work through us of, you know, of, uh, evangelism, of, mm-hmm. of reaching of reaching people, of care and comfort, right? All the things that God says that he is, mm-hmm. those are done, that those are active things. God is a comforter. He is provider, right? He is sh- shepherd. Those are active things. Absolutely. So God is still at work in doing those things.
0: So point number three is that it's not just God that works, but it was part of his creation for us pre-fall. Yeah. Because one of the... F- pretty early things that he tells Adam and Eve to do be fruitful increase in number fill the earth subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every creature that moves on the ground the bible tells us that he he assigned Adam to tend to the garden he had to name all the animals that's a lot of animals to
1: name i can't even imagine
0: right so <laughs> i think i think it's significant that it wasn't like he just put people here and we don't have to do anything. Part of his plan was that we would work. Part of his plan that he would, was that he would equip us to do the work that he wanted done, that he yeah. would give us skills and talents and abilities. And that as we work, as we do the work he's given us to do, it would not just be kind of the work that you were talking about, redemption, reconciliation, those kinds of things, but yeah. also it helps provide for ourselves. It helps take care of one another. Mm-hmm. So.
1: No, I think that's a, I think that's, you know, important point. I, I think people uh, sometimes have this picture of the ideal life being one in which you don't have to do anything at all. Right. It's like everything is handed to you.
0: Yeah. Or that you get to a point in your life where work is no longer necessary. It's like. Yeah. And.
1: And and that's just, uh, that's, that's. Not a biblical look at work. Right. Work in, in, in and of itself is a good thing. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between the work that we see God assigning to Adam mm-hmm. the, and a difference between that in between um, after the fall when mm-hmm. God says, like, you will toil. Right. Right. Work and toil are different things. They go together, unfortunately, yeah. now. But work in and of itself— work's sake is a good thing mm-hmm. it means that you are active in something absolutely you are you are helping something you are growing something you are creating something you are providing something you you know it's 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 a part of of being human mm-hmm. you know and that and that's what we see from the genesis account absolutely. it's literally a part of being human
0: the next thing I, I that I thought about as I was thinking through, so that's sort of like the general focus. Work is good, you know. God helps us. God does his God does His work through us. But the next one is that we see both in the Old Testament and later on that He empowers people specifically for the work that they have to do. Mm. One of the stories that I thought about was Oholiab and Bezalel, just because I like their names a whole lot. Yeah. Those two guys, they come out of um, the story of the tabernacle and um, the Bible's really clear that it says, um, it's Exodus 31, starting verse two. It says, see, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I've filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. And then it goes on and it talks about the work he's going to do. And then he says, moreover, I've appointed Oholiab, son of Ahazimak. Good job. The, thank you. Of the tribe of Dan to help you. And I've given him ability to all the skilled workers to make everything that I've commanded you. So this is a really specific example of where God had work that needed to be done. And he gave these two men very specific skills to get that work done. Mm. Maybe they were never trained in it. Who knows? But now here they are. They just came out of slavery in Egypt just not that long ago. Yeah. So they were building brick bricks before. Yeah. So, for all intents and purposes, right? So, But God also makes us able to work. You might be thinking, well, I don't need to build the tabernacle. I don't need special artistic skills for that. I'm an accountant. But, yeah. <laughs> but the Bible's clear that anything that we're able to do to make wealth, to earn a living, God has made us able to do. Um, Deuteronomy eight eighteen um, says instead, remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the strength to make a living. That's how he keeps his promise he made to your ancestors. So in other translations, it says he gives you the power to make wealth. So I think it's really safe to render it. If you're able to do a job and earn money, God has given you the ability to do that. Hmm. He's given you experiences and things that you've learned and skills and, Even if it was he gave you the resources to be able to go to college to learn the skill, he's behind all of that. So whatever skill or skill set you have, whatever talents you have, whatever you bring to the workforce, that is a gift of God in your life.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a a whole episode uh, in the next couple of weeks around the idea of shape and the theology behind how that you are shaped Mm -hmm. by God uh, with your spiritual gifts, your personality, your abilities, and so on and so forth. Um, but no, I but I think that's a really uh, important point. Is is God doesn't just say, yeah, now now work, and yeah. then just kind of leave you to it and try to figure it out and languish and whatever. Is is God loves you so much, and that's kind of I think a bit of a heart piece in this. Mm-hmm. God loves you, each and every person, so much that He has designed you in order to do the work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, like, giving you muscles and giving you the ability, you know, a brain that can think through things mm-hmm. and problem-solve and process. And then he gives you the experiences that you'll have growing up in, in, through early life and then these interests and passions to hone. And he's not, you know, and he, he takes joy – when we engage mm-hmm. with how he created us,
0: absolutely. And I think one of the things, especially working on a team, it's been cool to see, you know, do, there's different assessments that you know you can yeah. learn about, you know different ways that different team members are wired. And when you begin to take a step back and see how a team has been put together to where all of the different types of interests and all of the different types of perspectives, some people are really strategic thinkers, and we need that. Some people are really good at like driving in the details mm-hmm. and we need that. And that's where you get a successful team. But that was God's design is when you bring all those different people together, you can get a lot of really cool stuff done. Yeah. So
1: just like on a basketball team, sometimes God makes people to be seven feet tall. Or sometimes higher. He does that. They're meant to be centers. <laughs> sometimes God makes people with great ability to to dribble and to have hand eye coordination that's just out of control. Those are meant to be guards, you know, and sometimes God makes people big and broad and with long wingspans. And those men, people are meant to be forwards, and uh, you can just see how it works out on a team. That's what you were talking about, right? Right. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) like, sure.
0: Sure. Is this Uh, baseball? No. I am not shaped for sports. All right. Number five.
1: Sure. <laughs>
0: <What's> <laughs> I'm the moving one? forward. Oh, well, because... oh, oh,
1: hold on. Let's recap the first four quickly. Oh, sorry. Right? So okay. the first one that we talked about is God worked and, and rested. And again, these are points about work that we can learn and glean from the Bible. God worked. Second point was God is still working. hmm Third point is that work is part of God's good creation. It's It was, it was, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fourth point that we were just talking about is that God empowered people for their work and he makes us able to do our work. Um, So what then is the fifth point?
0: The fifth point, it's almost a stewardship point, but it's the fact that God expects us to be good stewards of whatever work we've been entrusted with. So this now takes us from what can you do, where are you doing it, and it takes it to Why? And what is the greater purpose behind the work that we do? Um, Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, whatever you do, fairly unambiguous, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So if you step back from this verse and think about it for a minute, it's, a reminder that whether you're a barista or you're working at Home Depot or you're an accountant or a teacher, yes, you have a human boss who has certain expectations and you do the work that they've asked you to do. But at another level, anything that you're doing becomes this act of worship that you're doing as unto the Lord. And when you begin to view your work that way, it actually takes on a very different... um, it can take on just, it can give it a different perspective. Cause sometimes people are like, oh, I go to work and then I go do ministry or then I go do the things that really matter or then I go do the most important things. This is just my job. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, if you are anywhere, wherever, wherever you're working, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got like two things, right? You've got the tasks that are part of your job, and then you have this other piece of working is under the Lord and making your presence there an act of worship. Yeah. And that that's just a very different way of looking at any job that you would have.
1: Well, and it helps to show that there's not, you know, it's not that one job is better than the other. Right. There one, is there, is God calls us all to, you know, work in different spaces and different times and different areas. Mm-hmm. And, there, and, uh, and you can serve God's purposes wherever you are in whatever mm-hmm. you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think there's a really interesting um, bit of dialogue in the gospel of Luke, the third chapter. And John the Baptist is talking to his audience about repenting, you know, and he, he tells them, he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And then they ask, they're like, well, what do we do? And they're not super spiritual things. They're <laughs> not things that you'd think, oh, th- that's the religious, that's the good Jesus answer. Yeah, He's like, well, if you have something, share it with those who don't have anything. And if you collect taxes, only take what you need. And if you're a soldier, you know, and he just goes through this list of like, in your regular work, do it in an honoring way, do it the best way you can. Mm-hmm. And that's going to demonstrate your faith. And so I just thought that that was an interesting piece because I think, again, I think we tend to separate out and say, oh, well, I'm just flipping burgers or I'm just selling this or that or the other thing. And it's like, no, bearing fruit worthy of repentance is, is showing your faith and living as a child of God in whatever context you find yourself
1: yeah, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you have an opportunity to live as the hands and feet of Jesus. Right is is you are still called to to be um, of Christ like character, mm-hmm. no matter where you are. And God can use whatever, like any sort of crazy opportunity, no matter what you're doing, mm-hmm. to reach out to other people. Because when we remind ourselves that it's it's all about other people, right? Right. The work isn't just about the work. It's right. not about you know, it's not just about having to fix that car. Right. It's about the person who brought mm-hmm. the car in who might be feeling stressed, who might yes. be feeling really discouraged. And, um, you know, or it's about the person who um, is coming into your restaurant for that day. Mm-hmm. And they've made mm-hmm. the decision to to eat here because they like the food or are interested to try it, and now you have the opportunity to connect with another human being made in God's image, Mm -hmm. and it just so happens to be through the lens of the restaurant or the auto shop or whatever it is.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. A couple of quotes that I loved as I was doing my research. Uh, Tom Wright was commenting on this passage from Luke and said, the task may appear unimportant or trivial, but the person doing it is never that. And he or she has the opportunity to turn the job into an act of worship. And then um, Eugene Peterson commenting on what you were just talking about, like there's not really a hierarchy of tasks. Every mm. task is equal when it becomes an act of worship. He says, any work done faithfully and well is difficult. No mo- it's no harder for me to do my job than for any other person. And no less, there are no easy tasks in the Christian way. There are only tasks which can be done faithfully or erratically. <laughs> with joy or resentment. And I just thought, <laughs> leave it to him. I love that. <laughs> but what were you going to say?
1: No, I was just going to say like, that's a, the, uh, that's a great point. Cause I had, I had focused on the missional aspect of work that no matter what you're doing, you're with other people, other, mm-hmm. you know, you're touching uh, other people in some way, shape or form. Uh, but this makes the good point that it's, you know, it's also about your character growth. It's op- it's also an opportunity for you personally who are doing the work to approach it in such a way that can be worshipful and pleasing to God, right? Um,
0: yeah, you just got two purposes into our work. There's two. Worship yeah. and <laughs> missional.
1: There's two great good. points in there, yeah.
0: <laughs> got to get in the purposes. Yeah. Um, One of the things, too, uh, when I was reading it, Paul Stevens, so much good research. (laughs) By the way, I just need to call out the website, theologyofwork.org. I just want to be sure I mention them. Special shout out. Because they did great work. Um, But as you read through the entire New Testament, it treats work in the context of the larger framework, framework, the call of God to live totally for him and his kingdom. And I think that that makes both points, right? Worship, missional focus. For like,
1: him and for his kingdom,
0: yeah. In fact, as we'll see in a little bit, a lot of times the gospel writers mentioned the jobs that people did just in, you know, oh, this is the tanner and this is the, you know. The it's tent like, maker. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, why yeah. is that important? Because that's part of what they did. That's where God had them. Mm-hmm. So kind of building on this last point that there's these other things that need to be happening about work, my sixth point is that it's never just about the work. Um, Solomon went after all kinds of projects when you read um, in Ecclesiastes like he's he's like I did this I did this I did this and he lists them off yeah and he was looking for meaning and significance just in the task and this goes to the point that sometimes the task is the excuse that God uses to get you there yeah and you want to do it with excellence but he's got this other purpose and if you just focus on what you're there to do and you Kind of lose sight of these bigger, bigger goals that God yeah, has for us. Picture, yeah. The big picture. It can become really frustrating. Mm. And um, in Ecclesiastes two, Solomon is kind of reviewing all of his building projects and everything he did, and he says, "Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun." and i think that that's just the flip side of like if we make work just about work and it's just get in do the daily grind get out we're not engaged we're not thinking about worshiping for you know worshiping god or looking about any opportunities then it will become just that mm-hmm. just a spending of our time doing a thing yeah. with no eternal significance
1: yeah i think god never wants us to a quote-unquote waste our time, right? Right. There's nothing about about idleness, right? Even right. if you are idle, you can be doing so with God. Yes. You can be doing so uh, with Him. So the idea of time wasted is not a biblical thought, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because no matter what you are doing, whether you are like if actually at your work, at your at your place of work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or you're doing chores around the house or you are sitting and having rest mm-hmm. um, it still can be for a purpose for a godly purpose
0: mm-hmm. well and i think especially if somebody listening finds himself in a job that they're just it just feels like a drudgery to them it's like sure. i don't like this i didn't choose this but here i am i think beginning to have beginning to shift their mindset to why does God have me here? Yeah. What's, what's happening here? What do you want to do in me, God? And who are the people around me that I might be able to find a moment for conversation or live out an example or be an encouragement or any of those things that can actually add a whole dynamic because yeah, I mean, you may be doing something that you don't enjoy and you might be looking for another job. And I mean, that's all true. But in the meantime, when you walk into your place of work and it's like, okay, Lord, this is where you have me today. What do you have for me here today? Who needs your love today? Who needs to be Mm -hmm. encouraged today? That just it just flips the whole thing on its head, and I think it makes it so much more of an adventure.
1: Yeah. Well, it invites God into it with you. It's Mm -hmm. you know, if you wake up saying "Uh, it's just another day, and then you kind of just like you know bring yourself in and yeah. all of your woes about, yeah. about the work, then, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder mm-hmm. to, you know, to find joy or to find purpose in mm-hmm. the work other than you need the job. Right. right? Um, but if you wake up and, and even if you're like, you know, I don't like the people I'm with, I'm having a hard time. you know, Yeah. Whatever,
0: and that's fair.
1: that That happens. If you wake up and you say, okay, God, I know that you're with me, mm-hmm. and you have me here for this season. Uh, so I am going to, you know, ask you to make the most of it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, help, please help me to have my eyes open, to you, you know, t- to the people around me. Right. Have my ears open, mm-hmm. to be truly listening
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the other people, right? And you know, and have my heart tender. Mm-hmm. For the people, for you know, whether it's the customers or whether it's the people that you actually right. are working with, you know, you just it, you know, it allows you to to enter into it um, in a in a way that is you know just inviting God's presence into it. Like mm-hmm. God, help me to see this in a new way. Hey, help me to see these people the way you see them. Mm-hmm. Help me to may even give me a glimpse of how you are growing me in this for season. Sure, for right? sure. And God typically honors that.
0: Well, and a lot of times we find ourselves in a season that maybe we wouldn't have chosen, but it's almost a place where God is growing or developing in us something that he's going to use later. Yeah. And if we hadn't gone, you know, if if we're in too much of a hurry to get out of a task we don't like or a thing we're not enjoying, we might miss what it is that God wants us to do. Not that we don't want to be looking for the next thing, but to just recognize that God doesn't waste anything. So yeah. if you're in a space where you're like, what am I doing here? It probably has more to do with maybe what God is about to do in and through you yeah. than the task that you're doing. Exactly. So, so
1: but before we hit the final point, oh, okay, let's do... excited. Another quick recap. Point number one, God worked and rested. Point number two, God is still working. Point number three, work is part of God's good creation. Work number four, or sorry point number four, God empowered people for their work and he makes us able to work. Uh, number five, God expects us to be good stewards of whatever work we've been entrusted with. And number six, it's never just about the work. And so what then is the seventh? number of completion and final <laughs> point
0: it has to do with the fact that there is no such thing the bible doesn't know anything about a secular spiritual split when it comes to the workplace mm. it's not like oh well church workers now those people think about god all the time but mm-hmm. over here we're you know yeah <laughs> it's like or these are better workplaces than those or these are more holy or more spiritual it's like the Bible doesn't talk about work that way. In fact, most of the stories we have of people that God was using, they were in regular positions. A lot of them were like in government positions. If you think about Joseph, Daniel, Esther, they were in high-level political positions, Yeah, seeking God, trying to honor God. But if you know Joseph's story, you also know that he had a heck of a rough time before he got <laughs> to that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? A few ups and downs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, yeah, uh, that's generous. Yes. And um, so they served God in this place where they found themselves. It's like, oh, well, I'm not serving at the temple or the tabernacle, so it's not really God's work. It's like, no, they were doing mighty things for God. Yeah. And being a huge influence for God. As I looked um, through the gospels, I was like, I just was, trying to search around, what does the Bible say about work? How does it talk about work? And again, I referenced this a little bit earlier, but like in the Gospel of Mark, for example, so many people are named and described by their professions and stories are told about people in their professions. We see fishermen, like day laborers, like workers, mothers and fathers. We see tax collectors. We see people with disabilities that affect their work and how they're kind of navigating that. We see leaders in their community, farmers, lawyers, priests, builders, philanthropists, rich men, merchants, like all kinds of... And why do we know that about them? Why is that important? Mm. And I think that what we can take from that is that the context in which we find ourselves is important. It was so important. When you think about the Holy Spirit goes to the trouble to inspire writers to write down what God wants to say to us, and we have this many words dedicated to the things and places that people found themselves in different stations of life in different spaces. And it was never about what they were doing. It was about what was happening while they were doing it, who they were, how they were loving, how they, you know, their attitude, their, their posture towards God, towards others. So I thought that was significant. The other thing in the gospel of Luke, Jesus tells all these parables and most of them, many of them are set in workplace settings, um, you have the winemakers with the new patches and wineskin. You have wise and foolish builders. They're building houses. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what's happening there. You have the sower who's sowing seed. You have watchful servants, wicked servants. Um, all of these, you have the prodigal son and the wicked tenants. Those were, that's a job. Yeah. They were you know, entrusted and what did they do about it? So it's, again, these are ordinary jobs, all of them. And yet in them, Jesus tells us the extraordinary truths of the kingdom through these very ordinary things. It was something everybody could relate to, but it was also something that he's, I think the point that we don't want to lose is that God is working in whatever work we're doing. Yeah. So, and I, th- I just thought that was powerful because a lot of these, he didn't have to use work related imagery. Mm-hmm. Could it, God he could do whatever he wanted but he came back to things that people would understand and places people would find themselves so that we could understand and relate yeah so
1: well and that was yeah I I love that that is kind of the the through theme Mm -hmm. of work in the bible is Mm -hmm. is that God created us to be a people who worked Mm -hmm. and that in whatever we do, we can do it with and for God. Mm -hmm. And there's something just really poetic about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives you some freedom to, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not saying that you have to do this or like, you know, it's. it's, Like would
0: God, is this God's best job for me? And it's like.
1: Exactly. I think a big part of it is like. God gives you freedom in this Mm -hmm. to find something that interests you. Right. And in doing so, you know, it's approaching how can you then do so in a way that is honoring and pleasing and worshipful and -and so-and-so. As you said, it's the character piece that's underneath. It's the you that you bring to your job.
0: Exactly, and you can literally transform a place of work by being who God has made you to be in that place. And not only that, but even as you were talking, I was thinking about if, if believers didn't get into the secular workplace, didn't get into all the places where work is happening, that would be a loss of light and a loss of opportunity in yeah. all of those places. Alternately, when we go and when we bring our faith and, and all of who God has made us to be into those spaces— and I'm not saying that you're standing on the tables preaching at lunch. I'm just talking about doing, working is under the Lord, loving people, being a good listener, being a friend, being an encourager.
1: Yeah, being salt and light, right?
0: Exactly. And we get to do that when, you know, as we keep this mindset ahead of us. I love, so Romans 12.1 is a pretty, like, most of us know it, you know, give your make yourself a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But I love the message paraphrase. Sometimes they just hit it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, Romans 12, one in the message, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And I think that that's, you know, if you were to think, well, how do I take this and do something with it tomorrow? Doable discipleship. Yeah. It would be when you wake up tomorrow, take whatever it is that you've got in front of you. Maybe you're a student. And you're like, I am taking accounting classes or I am taking engineering classes. How is that? You know, (laughs) what am I going to do with that? But if you put that before the Lord and say, God, I'm going to be on that campus today. or I'm going to be in that workplace today. How can I, how can I reflect you? How can I love? How can I serve? I think that changes everything.
1: Yeah. And I think the same is true. You know, definitely want to call out people who either um, stay at home with kids
0: Oh come on, that right. is work.
1: Homemakers, or even if you are currently unemployed, right? It's not mm-hmm. saying that you are, you know, out of God's will, or that <laughs> you are, you know, doing something yeah. wrong in that sense. Absolutely not. Is you can everything that we said, it can still be true in just the dailiness of work. In in whether it's it's the management of kids and the household, in in being the best parent that you can be in raising kids, you know, like that, that is a, that is a lot of work.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And speak to that because, because you have a whole history. I'm like,
0: oh man, I spent 25 years as a stay at home mom. I got this. (laughs) No, that is (sighs) parenthood, momhood. If you're staying home, dadhood, if you're staying home, that is, first of all, it's work. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. It is also service. It is also ministry. It is also mission. Mm-hmm. It is also character development. And therefore, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it also must become an act of worship. Um, but you are your kid's first discipler. Mm-hmm. You are your kid's, obviously, their caretaker, especially like Jason, your kid's age. I mean, what Alicia does all day long, oh, I and it does not I start at eight, nor does time. it no. end at five.
1: Unfortunately not. <laughs> there are no breaks.
0: There are no lunch hours. There might be a nap. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe.
1: Uh, for one of them yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> so
0: i think yeah no the work of a mom and a dad who are loving and pouring into their kids that can never be underestimated and but again at the long nights of diapers and changes and feedings which i know you know
1: <laughs> right now it's the coughing yeah. for some reason it's the coughing that keeps them up but anyway but,
0: <laughs> but again you become Jesus' hands and feet to that child, and loving them, and caring for them, and serving them in the dark when nobody sees. Yeah, um, that is holy, holy work. Yeah, and um,
1: yeah, and 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 everything that we said about the other people, um, that you can be a witness to or be Christ-like towards, is still very true. You, you still go and run the errands. Mm-hmm. You still have the playdates with other parents. Yeah. You still have the neighbors that you see and you have those kids right in front of you. So Absolutely. that is all still very true.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, if you're in a mom's group, if you're at park days, yeah. wherever you are, just wait till you get to the side of the soccer field. You will have a <laughs> lot of opportunities. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> to show
0: Jesus or not? <laughs>
1: yeah, and then if you're currently unemployed, it's this. You know, again, yeah. there is so much truth in that. And and any interaction that you have, e- even in the waiting, even in the absolutely in the job hunting, there is that is still a uh, still rife opportunity for character refinement, mm-hmm. uh, for trusting in God, for patience, for discernment, for mm-hmm. all of those pieces. Um, so, so I, I just wanted to make sure that we hit. Any other kind of subgroup? (laughs) Yes, please. I
0: know. It's absolutely. Um, The last quote that I just wanted Mm. to share was once again from Eugene Peterson. And um, I think it just wraps it up nicely. It says, as Christians do the jobs and tasks assigned to them in what the world calls work, we learn to pay attention to and practice what God is doing in love and justice, in helping and in healing, in liberating and in cheering. The Bible insists on a perspective in which our effort is at the edge and God's work is at the center. And so I just I thought that that just wrapped up. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're doing it, no matter who you're doing it with, God's work is at the center, what he's doing in you, what he's doing through you. And the tasks that you're doing are, are important too, but in light of what God is doing, you know.
1: Linda, thank you for bringing these seven biblical principles about work to us.
0: You are welcome.
1: Let's look at some doable next steps out of this episode. First, invite God into your work, no matter what your work looks like. On your way to work, talk to God about what is going on at work and ask him to be a part of it. Ask him to point out the people he may want you to connect more with and ask him to show you how he is growing you through the work. Second, we have a, another podcast on, on the Saddleback family of podcasts called Found, co-hosted by today's guest, Linda Tokar. They have a whole episode on work called The Three Stories of Work, I've put the link to it in the show notes, and I encourage you to check it out. Third, don't forget to, to subscribe to Saddleback's newest podcast, Weekend to Workplace. This is a great new podcast where host Mark Grundin interviews different people in the workplace about how they have successfully integrated their faith into their work. The link to learn more is in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doable Discipleship. We'll be back with you again next
2: week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.